Why does the Austrian music group Das Erste Wiener Gemusorchester give their audience soup after every performance? The answer to that at the end of the show. My name is Tom Scott and this is Lateral. Take half a pound of creativity, five ounces of playfulness and a teaspoon of creative flair and what do you get? If it's anything like my cooking, it'll be burnt and taste of cardboard. But luckily, our <laughs> guests today are a surefire recipe for success. Joining us again, we have the crew from Let's Learn Everything, the podcast. And we start today, uh, let's go with Ella. How are you doing? I'm excellent. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> what are you working on right now? What is going to be in the future as we record this, but in the past as people listen to this episode? I cannot tell you because every time we do a a topic on the podcast it's a surprise to the other two guests <laughs> oh okay you have to go in completely cold there's no yeah caroline roper second person of let's learn everything have you ever come up with a topic and then found out that one of the other members of the team has also doing that topic we've not well we've had something very very close before so we have people uh outside of the three of us to check our topics for us so that we still don't know what each other's topic's going to be but they like make sure we don't have too much overlap apart from one time where me and ella were both like you know what we're not gonna check our episodes today who uh, who needs to do that and what was it we both ended up talking about ella was i it- did you did the pill I did do the pill. And yeah. I did I did menstrual products and the overlap between those are surprisingly similar historically. But then it just becomes a themed episode yeah. accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> and the third member of the team Honestly, I've got no segue that leads in from the pill and menstrual products into this introduction. So please welcome <laughs> the third member of the team, Tom Lum. Well, let me tell you Tom, my my question for that did not uh, smoothly transition between those. I think my question for there was, what are the two highest mountains on the world in on Earth? It was like a very like uh, like <laughs> math trigonometric calculating heights of things thing. It was like a little little break between the two. Um, so yeah. Well, good luck to all three of you. Welcome back to the show. This is where we try to match make quirky questions with unexpected solutions. So let's see if it's going to be love at first insight. I'm going to start you off with question one. This question was sent in by Georgi. Thank you very much. Shortly after a safe landing, a pilot has the back of their shirt cut off. Why? One more time. Shortly after a safe landing, a pilot has the back of their shirt cut off. Why? Is this so sweaty? I was going to say the stress of it. Is it every time or is this a sometimes thing that happens? Because I don't feel like pilots are buying shirts for every day, every every flight. flight. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't seem practical. Oh, it's the type of pilot. Oh. Like it's a a fighter plane pilot or something oh oh mm-hmm. wait that might actually be yeah because if you're super secured into your seat maybe you would need to um oh be like physically removed out of it rather yeah for like safety yeah we're not getting anything so no, we're getting no right absolutely no reaction <laughs> well you just keep coming up with good ideas i don't want to i don't want to break the flow were they was it like oh, i'll throw in a few bad ones if you want then uh was it like <laughs> they were hanging their jersey from the rafters because they did a really good job and so they cut it up and then they put it up so, on top of sorry the, the rafters of the plane yeah i mean it's rare that i just question yeah. a guest like that but 
entirely certain. That's Queens what they do. In, that's what they do in in sports, right? Like all time all time jerseys, they they retire them. Honestly, the closest answer there is probably Tom's. Not in sense of rafters oh. or anything like that, but there's something special going on here. <laughs> it's well, well, well. <laughs> That, hmm. I, now I'm now I'm thrown right off. The flow is gone. <laughs> was it like a like a Sully Sullenberger situation, like a like a landing that was like spectacular, and they wanted to like commemorate it somehow? I, is it actually? My thought was like sweat, like maybe, like it was such a stressful flight, and they like sweated like clean through, and they wanted to keep that for some reason. It would have been a very stressful flight. I mean, unless they, they were very, very good, it would have been a very stressful flight. <laughs> um, it's not quite that reason. It's not sweat, but it is commemorating something. Is it a, a, a space pilot or is it a regular mm, commercial airplane? Regular pilot. Okay. Huh. Commemorate. So they got it. They had it cut off them for commemorative reasons. They, di- they successfully landed the plane, but they died. And so, <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. First half of that, great. Don't Absolutely know how brilliant. that factors into. <laughs> well, they—it's like a, you know an EMT thing where they, they have to cut through your clothes to like oh. resuscitate you. Oh, mm. love the thought process there, Ella. That was that was really something. <laughs> is it something to do with the pilot? Like, is it their last flight? Oh, or yeah, or something like that. Very close. Well, also the exact opposite, but very close. It's their first, first flight. It's their only flight because they are a monkey. It's... <laughs> Ella? I'm, I'm, the car's going right on target. I'm just to hold it here. We're going to be fine. Just to go, nah, it's just swerve off at the end. I got I to gotta, I gotta take adopt the Ella strategy, which is say something like extremely logical so that you start nodding it at the end and be like, and also he was a man-man of eels. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the only time you're allowed to do that flight? Like, can you only do that flight once for some reason because it's so stressful? It's more by definition. You can't do this more than once. You're right. It's a first for something. It's a first for this pilot. First time flying on their own? First time flying on their own. Yes. So it is an aviation tradition that after someone's first solo flight in commemoration, the back of their shirt is cut off. So the last part is, why? Where did that come yeah. from? Uh, <laughs> where did it come from, historically? Is it because the first time someone ever flew alone, they... <laughs> it, like, ripped, like, like it was such a close call mm. that, like, somehow... My thought was, like, do they use the shirt and then, like, stitch it to the seat of the plane or something like Aww, that, you know? Nice. They do keep it. It can get signed by the instructor, have markings on it. It's, it's very much a, a, you're proud of this as your first flight. Think back to where the tradition might have come from, what planes might have looked like back then. Okay. And what technology we didn't have. Seat belts. Did they <laughs> tie them to the seat? <laughs> Flags or indicators, maybe they had to like rip it off to like signal uh, something yeah. to other planes oh. or or to tell which way the wind was going. Not to other planes, not they're not waving it out. It was only cut off when they got back down and they knew it wasn't going to be needed anymore. Parachute. Oh crikey, no. No, no. Um, <laughs> no? Oh. Single strip of fabric. <laughs> like a bit of a, no, my thought was like a parachute like sewn into your shirt somehow, and then you'd have to like cut out, cut to get out of that. 
I want you to picture the scene. You've got an old propeller plane. Maybe it's a biplane, something like that. You've got the student in front on the controls. You've got the instructor behind them. And it's open air, lot of noise, 1930s, 40s, 50s. What might that shirt tail have done? It was used... Oh, was the... Oh, okay. It was the instructor sat behind and they would pull on the, like, shirt to, like, tell them what to do. Yep, exactly that. Because, wow. because they didn't have radio. The only <gasps> way that the instructor oh. could get the student's attention was by grabbing the back of their shirt <laughs> and pulling on it and going... Because there's so much noise and so much wind and so much everything. So the tradition became no that when the plane landed after the first solo flight, the instructor would come up and ceremonially cut off that shirt tail Aww. because they knew they didn't need it anymore. Oh, that's wow, so cute. That's so it's... sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, we go to you for the next question. What have you got? All right. When opportunity strikes, birds of prey can be very resourceful. It has been known for a black kite to pick up a branch, fly to a new area of grassland, and then have a full stomach a few minutes later. How? I'll read that again. When opportunity strikes, birds of prey can be very resourceful. It has been known for a black kite to pick up a branch, fly to a new area of grassland, and then have a full stomach a few minutes later. How? It went around stabbing everything with its stick. Great. <laughs> No. It's a payment, what? a payment to another animal in exchange for food. Oh. If, if a, a kite brought me a stick, I would feed it. Did it. Wait, so was the stick used to like impersonate a snake? And then when the kite like dropped it, animals would like scatter and move around. So the kite would see the animals oh. then and then attack them. There's a part of that that is very spot on, but I won't say what. Guys, I think you guys are. I think you guys have got. This. I think Carol. Yeah, Caroline. Caroline, being the ecology person, I think will will hit this eventually. Tom, I don't know if you have any guesses. Is it trying to attract animals with this, or, or act as a decoy? Is it, is it flushing creatures out of hiding? Yes, I will say that it's flushing them out. The black kite's prey is preferred prey is small animals. So it's trying to flush mice out of burrows or rabbits out of burrows or something like that. Would it literally like stick the stick into burrows to try and like move rodents out of them? No, it's something, I will say this, even though its prey is small animals, it's causing a big thing to happen. <laughs> is it in water? You're on a similar track where it is sort of like a, a chain of events that happens. If you drop a stick, a different animal comes and gets and grabs it and that It destroys a beaver dam and the beavers all come out to fix it. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> downstream, someone's getting flushed out and that uh, no, never mind. One stick. And then we got that. Johnny with the getaway car. That's <laughs> perfect. It is a criminal act. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I can't confirm that. Wait, so is it okay. does it involve humans in some way then? Like it doesn't. No. That's a good insight, but no. Oh, I thought it might be dropping it on a cage and breaking glass yeah. and the animals get out and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is it something to, to do with vibrations of the stick? No. Wait, it it picked up a branch, dropped uh -huh. it in another field, right? Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh, I assumed that the full stomach was from a field, but Oh, Ella's, Ella's got it. Ella's it got stole, it. It's stolen the branch from another bird's nest. 
Oh, oh no. <sighs> oh, it's don't, I assume that the animals were going to be in the field that it was dropping the branch in. But maybe the animals are coming from where it's stolen the branch from to try and get it back. You guys are circling around crimes, but you haven't named the right crime yet. Theft. Vandalism. Vandalism. Arson. Petty theft. Tax fraud. Ta yeah. <laughs> well, it's, the stick is on fire, and the, it, it, you drop it in a field with grass, and it burns everything, and the animals all flee. Ella, you are correct. <gasps> yes. No way. Tom said it. It is arson. <laughs> <laughs> So they they set fire to grasslands, causing a stampede, which then just like routes out all the animals. I looked into this because I didn't believe it myself. There is literally a paper titled Intentional Fire Spreading by, quote, Firehawk Raptors in Northern Australia. Wow. You know, there is some like debate about it could possibly be like unintentional. Like they go to pick up a branch thinking it's like a prey and that it mm. happens to be on fire and dropping it. But there are, it, it's like a super interesting phenomena because it is so hard to believe. Yeah, um, and yeah. there's like a ton of like indigenous e ecological knowledge about this. But there's also a lot of people who are like, no way. Well, that's, there's no way. And they don't consider it when they consider firefighting, which is interesting. Can you imagine like trying to research this because you you have to wait for an animal to to do that basically and then just hope that you're there to watch it like that must be so hard to study uh yes <laughs> so basically when when a bushfire is happening a black kite will pick up a flaming branch and fly to a different grassland to start a new fire this causes a stampede the larger animals will trample the smaller ones, which the kite can then pick up easily. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Kites uh, circle around over carcasses to catch insects, or they swoop down to pick up small animals off the floor. Uh, they pass their catch into their beaks midair, uh, so they don't actually have to land. And this is amazing. The, the toy kites used by children on the windy day get their name from these birds. Thank you to Jane Nuffio for sending this question in. The Graflex Speed Graphic Camera was popular with photojournalists in the 1940s. Though obsolete, the battery holder for the flash gun is now worth hundreds of dollars thanks to a 1977 event. What was it? I know the answer. Oh, Tom, are you all ready? You know it. Oh, yeah. All right, Tom, you get to sit out of this one. I'll give the other two the question one more time. The Graflex Speed Graphic Camera was popular with photojournalists in the 1940s. Though obsolete, the battery holder for the flash gun is now worth hundreds of dollars thanks to a 1977 event. What is it? Caroline, Ella, good luck. Oh, the holder for the flash gun. You said not the... The battery holder for the flash gun. The battery holder. Okay, so I think my... Off the top of my head, I would guess that it is a specific shape and was mm. used in an outfit for a movie. 77? What's that? Some kind of Star Wars time? <laughs> Some, there's a Star War happening. Well, because this is... When I was working at the Science Museum, we had like a bunch of um, like plane engines and parts of the plane engines were used in... Star Wars as like various drones and stuff like that. So that's not like completely out of reach. It's not even slightly out of reach. It's entirely correct. <laughs> but can you name the part of the outfit? 
What specifically is a battery holder for a flash gun in Star Wars? How how big is it? It can't be huge. Maybe like a 10 centimetres, a battery? Yeah. A, a gun on a stormtrooper's stormtrooper's mm. gun or something? Uh, something on a droid. A lightsaber! <gasps> a lightsaber face! <laughs> I was about to say a more elegant weapon for a, from a more civilized age. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, that's so cool. That is the base of Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. It is a battery holder from a flash gun from a 1940s camera. I just want to say, Ella, that was incredible. That you were just like, maybe yeah. it could be this thing from this, and you were like, absolutely spot That was on. lateral. That <gasps> was lateral thinking. Hey. <laughs> and Caroline, you're also right. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi's lightsaber began its life as a balance pipe from a Rolls-Royce jet engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way! With that wonderful bit of deduction, Ella will move straight on to your question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go for it. Okay. In medieval times, why was it important for cooks to be students of religion as well? Once more. In medieval times, why was it important for cooks to be students of religion as well? Like, in terms of growing the good crop, or was it something that only churches had access to, maybe? That still sounds like a euphemism for marijuana. <laughs> I know that's from a previous episode, but like, you gotta stop, please. <laughs> Growing the good crops really sounds like a euphemism. The, the real good crops, you know. <laughs> I like that idea of like sacred knowledge, but not, no, not quite. <laughs> I mean, because there's tons of like resources attached to the, the church at the time. So I'm wondering if it's even something like being able to learn how to read or something like that. Or maybe if you want to be a professional cook, you have to be paid to do that. So would the church be the group to have the resources for that? No, this is you don't have to work for the church. You don't... What was the phrasing again? Like a scholar of uh, a student of the church? or Yes, yeah, student of religion. Uh... Could this be a language thing? Like one of my standard go-to linguistic anecdotes is that in English we we order food in French basically and we talk about animals in English. Like you order beef. Right. But when you're talking about the animal it's a cow. Like pork mm -hmm. and pig uh, apart from chicken because that was poor people's food so that's all English. Oh. <laughs> and I'm trying to work out if there's something in the religious background there about the words but that wouldn't mm. that wouldn't affect your cookery skills, right? You could still, like, identify what food was. Well, yeah, so when you say, like, they are a cook, does that mean, like, a professional cook? Because, like, obviously, lots of people are cooking. No, they don't. You don't have to be a professional cook. Is Yeah, I was wondering if this, if this is, like, a graveyard cemetery distinction, where it's, like, you're only... I'm wondering, is this a social thing, or is this more of, like... Wait, a... sorry, graveyard cemetery distinction? <laughs> Graveyards are attached to churches, I believe, and cemeteries oh. are not. You don't have to have this faith. You don't have to be religious. You just have to understand something about, about the religion. This isn't like a religious dietary restriction thing, presumably, because this is medieval times and the vast majority of the UK did not have dietary restrictions no. for religion there. Apart from like not eating meat on Fridays? Nothing to do. Nothing to do Ooh. with that. Okay. I think, you know, if you think this is medieval times, what 
equipment would you not have had when you were cooking that it's not specialized equipment it's something you would you need to know when you're cooking hygiene um water running water pots pans fire yeah heat pans the night the fancy chef's hat that can hide a rat inside to help you cook. That is very important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, it's nothing t- that you actually cook with. Okay. Books? Is it cookbooks? Uh, no, but like there's something in that because when you're f- using a cookbook, what's something really important as part of... The ability to read. Like an open area with, with like candles? No, no, no. Back to the, back to the recipe. Back to the cookbook, back to the recipes. What do they tell you? Is it to identify animals? Measurements. Oh, scales? No, no, no. Don't. Keep keep down there. Keep down that way. <laughs> the ingredients? Measuring cups? You've said everything in a recipe, but the thing that... <laughs> the order to cook things in? No. <laughs> Numbers, math. The amount, the amount of time you have to cook things for. Yes, the amount of time you have to cook things Hourglasses, for. Hourglasses, candles that they had to... And How to tell the time? Yes. Clocks. Yes. How did they tell the what? time? Are we blanking on this? Is, this? is this general knowledge we should all know? What on earth does a student of religion know about time that regular people don't? So you can measure time with the burning of a candle. It's not super accurate. With with uh, um, hourglasses, sundials, church bells. I'll say it's it's mm-hmm. it's not physical. It's not physical. It's not physical. It's like the knowledge that you would have. You would know how long the Lord's prayer is, <gasps> and that's like exactly no one minute. No. You, way, you cook way. something for the duration of so many Lord's Prayers. Yeah, that is exactly it, Tom. Tom! There's something in my head about like an old medieval cookbook where it said something like, uh, I won't have been fry for so many minutes. It was like, fr- put on the stove and say three Lord's Prayers or something like that. Yes, it's, it's, it's basically that. So, so cooking times were often specified in terms of the number of times it took to say a common prayer. It doesn't necessarily have to be the Lord's Prayer. So, for example, one recipe book on the subject of cooking, written by Martino da Como of Italy, says, cook for the time it takes to recite two paternosters. <laughs> wow. For one good example here is for pancakes, one Hail Mary on the waffle iron, which is 15 seconds. <laughs> They had waffle irons, but they didn't have hourglasses. I should clarify, they had them, but sand timers and water clocks were too expensive. Very, at least accurate ones were too expensive for most people. Also for short periods of time like that. Exactly. Although there is there is a recipe here, which is for 20 to 25 minutes, which is for bread dough, and you would do one entire rosary. That doesn't seem practical <gasps> to me. Holy moly. Yeah, you wow. should just do like one quarter of a Let's Learn Everything podcast. <laughs> that's an idea. A recipe podcast that's not religious, but you just, you start on and oh. you cook along with it. And there's some entertainment and about five minutes is, oh, you need to do that now. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> such a good idea. <laughs> Next one's from me. Good luck, folks. In a flat, open field with no obstructions, Angus can see the same number of cows and bulls. In the same field, Daisy can see twice as many bulls as cows. 
you would disagree with them both. How many bulls and cows are there? Oh, no, this, this is a maths question. <laughs> I knew we were going to get that. <laughs> I'll say it one more time. In a flat, open field with no obstructions, Angus can see the same number of cows and bulls. In the same field, Daisy can see twice as many bulls as cows, and you would disagree with them both. How many bulls and cows are there? I think I might know the answer to this. No way. I... Uh... Are they just really it. bad at identifying <laughs> Yeah, is it a, pers- matter, a matter of perspective? <laughs> it's hard, you know? I mean, it sort of is a, a matter of perspective, but there's no, like, visual tricks involved. Is there a hint in the names? See, I thought, I thought as soon as I saw this question, someone's going to get the hint in the names. Yes, there is, Tom. Oh, what are their names? Angus, Daisy... Angus and Daisy. Wait, are the other people who are seeing the cows, they're cows? Yes, I knew it. <laughs> I saw that question. I thought they're going to get that one on the names. Yes. That's so clever. Yes, you, you have worked out the trick in the question. It is that Angus is a bull and Daisy is a cow. So you know what? I'm going to give you the maths problem from that. Oh, Ooh, okay. <laughs> right. Angus I can see, see the mind. same number of cows and bulls. Daisy can see twice as many bulls as cows, and you would disagree with them both. Now, I realise that in audio, this is, this is a tricky one. I'm, I would like to say I'm opting out of this question immediately because I <laughs> hate maths so much. I would like to say... How distressed the three of us look. Actually, no, me and Ella look quite distressed. Tom Lum looks like he's about to really enjoy trying to figure this I out. Got, so. I got visual cows in my brain 24-7. That's how I do most of <laughs> most math. I can't visualise things. This oh, is yeah. A- Angus is looking <laughs> at three cows and three other bulls. Why three? And so he sees an equal amount. Oh, you, oh uh-huh. you're just starting at a base of like an equal amount. I guess that's true. I guess it could be a different amount. I would, I would like to say Caroline has... Caroline has aphantasia, so Caroline literally cannot picture things. I'm literally drawing it on a post-it note right now. Yeah, so. I'm rotating these cows in my brain like it's nobody's business, <laughs> just for fun. Keep going, Tom. So I'm Keep going. You were starting three on... Three cows and three bulls. So Angus is one of them. No, because Angus can see an equal number of... So there has there's to... two ca- So there's two cows and three bulls then. So, so Angus is one of them, and so he sees two cows and two bulls. And then if... Daisy is one of the cows, then she sees... She sees twice as many bulls cow as cows. Three bulls. Okay, so I goofed it then. So it's got to be four bulls and three... No. Yes, four bulls and three cows. Oh, because Caroline got the, it. the Angus is seeing himself, so he's seeing three other bulls and then three cows. But whichever the other name Daisy. was, Daisy... Daisy. Daisy can see two other cows and including and Angus four, four. Literally had to draw that on a post-it note <laughs> to figure it out. What, what I love is, Tom, you started so strong. You just went, yeah, so uh, D- Angus can see three and three. And I'm like, oh, he's, he's got it immediately and intuitively. And, and then, then you I just lost veered it. off and lost faith in it and Caroline swooped I, in. I, I, I became Angus. You know what? I, I became Angus. I was too lost in it. I was... <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remove myself. I was too impassioned. I just had to sit quietly for a second to do the math. <laughs> yeah, we cut it out. We spent like an hour doing that drawing on the chalkboard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Angus and Daisy are a bull and a cow, respectively. And the answer to the mathematical trick is four bulls and three cows. 
Caroline, next one is yours. Let's do it. So this question has been sent in by Cyan Chowdhury. Shortly after a September 2016 announcement, the company M3D released a design for some earrings. They are truncated cones with a one inch opening at the wider end. How did they help reduce anxiety? I'll say it again. Shortly after a September 2016 announcement, the company M3D released a design for some earrings. They are truncated cones with a one inch opening at the wider end. How do they help reduce anxiety? Earplugs. I was thinking earplugs. Wait, so like the earring itself is an earplug? Yeah, you just like flip it up into your ears. Or if you want to be really clever, you just kick your head in just the right way and it's all in the cup. Earplug in the ear hole. So we're, we're like an ideas factory on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a really good idea, but that's not the answer. Also, one inch hole. Like that's a that's quite a yeah. big earplug, mm-hmm. that is. Mm-hmm. That would be a lot. What's a truncated cone? Can someone describe that shape to me? Because I don't that's know. It's like a, a cone that's squished, right? Oh no, no, with the top chopped off. So like without the without the pointy end, so it's like a like a dog bowl shape kind of a thing, right? I guess. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Is it a, a whistle? No, no, it's not a whistle. Does it have functionality? I feel like to reduce anxiety. It must have. Gotta, right? What do you mean by functionality? It reduces anxiety. That's its function. <laughs> that's it's like that's what it does. Like that's the impact it has at the end. But is that? It's like original function to reduce anxiety. Yeah. It wasn't designed specifically to reduce anxiety. Uh, you store your oh. keys in it somehow. And anytime you wonder if you've lost your keys at home, then you can just no. feel your earrings and there, there's your key. Doesn't no. work with a one inch hole. Now, Tom, that was like, like you went for the dumb answer, but you're kind of not too far off, you know? Oh, okay. You're, so you can store something in it then. Something that's important to you. Yeah. AirPods? AirPods. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they just hang, they just like doop, into little sockets there. Yeah. So you just put them in. Yeah. Because uh, what was released at the same time? Oh, right. The year. Uh, yeah. The- <laughs> that should have been the. Okay. Yeah. 2016. In September of 2016, the iPhone 7 was launched. Alongside this, Apple unveiled their new wireless AirPods. People were worried that these could fall out, get lost, stuff like that. So to help prevent this, these earrings kind of take the form of a little basket, which could then catch your <laughs> AirPods if they <laughs> fell out. <laughs> oh, it's a bath. Okay, so they're not... Even in my head, I'm thinking they're like dangling down and somehow there's some kind of It's force. a storage <laughs> container. Yeah, in my head, you're like locking it in and twi- it, it's yeah. literally to catch your AirPods. Oh. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why there's that one inch opening so that if you're like the bottom of the AirPod could then fall oh, into it and get caught by it. I was seeing yeah. the cone as being the other way up. I was seeing oh. it as being a cone pointing upwards. It's not, it's a cone pointing <laughs> down. I was also, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Maybe okay. we aren't clever uh, product designers, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but that makes sense about why you would think it would be something to like plug your ears with if that was the way around that it was, you know? I, I haven't seen what these look like, but I can imagine they look ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I don't see them around. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first I time mean, hearing of it. I like my fun earrings. I don't know if I would wear these as a fashion accessory, but that's just me, you know? <laughs> 
So in September of 2016, the iPhone 7 was launched at the same time AirPods were released. So these earrings were designed to catch your AirPods if they fall out of your ears. We have rattled through the questions in this episode. So uh, we have the rare shiny bonus question here. <gasps> Ooh, how exciting. In the US, what are delivered at a rate of 0.4172 miles per hour? I'll say that again. In the US, what are delivered at a rate of 0.4172 miles per hour? So is it a human person delivering these? Yes. Okay. Because my brain was immediately like, we're working at the snails today, aren't we? We're going for it. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who knew the answer to that straight off, your question was wonderful. And there's a reason I just gave a very decisive answer there. <laughs> oh! Oh, because there could be some kind of... Okay. Mm. What was it? Was it again? I apologize. Mm. Delivered at a rate of 0.4172 miles per hour. 0.4172 miles. So it's about half a mile an hour. Is it something that has to be moved very, very carefully? Yeah, something fragile. You'd want to be careful mm. with this. Yeah, it's quite fragile. <laughs> a child is delivered in the delivery room. <gasps> oh! They, sorry, they're shooting out at ha half a mile an hour. That does not sound good. I don't know where child suddenly came from there, Tom, but you're not wrong. Oh, no. Okay. Um, I, I, delivery. I, I thought, you know, like in the delivery. Yeah, labor. Is it panda births? Because they like shoot out. And they're deluded by humans. Well, sometimes they are. It's, just a, it's labor. Is it just labor? The question does say in the US. And you're right, it's oh. that kind of delivery. I don't know where that came from, Tom, but you're absolutely spot on. There's one other thing in this question. It's just the word delivery. Because, <laughs> oh, it's the US specifically. Why is it so quick? Why is it so... Is it like our stork system that we have? Sorry, we have that in the US. We have the, like, storks that deliver babies and yeah. stuff like that. Uh -huh. yeah. It's yeah. part yeah. of your healthcare, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah my mom told me. That's part of our You should see the bill! Hey! hey. Oh <laughs> my god! All right. Sorry, that's a oh. terrible pun, but I am so proud of that. That was full dad joke. Wow! That I felt that incredible. one gearing up. I was like, oh, we got a joke here. We got a joke. I think, I think you get my position on the podcast. I think I can retire. Why would it be... I wonder if that's fast or slow then. It seems to me like it's fast. I thought they'd come out very, very slowly. Could it be like in a... Happening on a... Um, in an ambulance? Like that's why it's moving at that speed or moving. Is it like the the charge for the room? You you want to get it out quicker. <laughs> is that about a piece of technology? That's it's a very specific number. That is point four one seven two miles per hour. If I change that to the metric system, will it make more sense to me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you change it to the metric system, it won't work at all. In fact, I can tell you it's delivered at zero kilometers per hour. What? Wait, but this, wait, so what? Is this like a rounding error due to um, measurements? You're going to hate me. Or something like that? Uh. You're going to absolutely hate me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you say that after saying the bill pun, so I can't believe what this is going to be. <laughs> what could possibly be worse? I. Wow, we're all silent. This has really stumped us. <laughs> is there like a minimum number it has to be or something like... Um... It's 0.4172 miles per hour and zero kilometers per hour. 
What on earth? Babies are delivered at. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's something about the earth turning. <laughs> Is it? Earthquakes. Oh <laughs> I'm, I'm going way off track here. At some point, a light bulb's going to come on, and I'm going to string this one out. <sighs> okay, this is so interesting. Is it like if you line all of the babies up into a row per hour, that's how far you could get? It's a word one, this. This is, this is a word play it's one. It's a word one. Oh, gosh. Oh. Miles. It's something to do with... Something about the word... Is it something about the word delivered in this scenario? Is it the name Miles? It's the oh. name Miles. Oh, no. <laughs> it's 0.4172 miles per hour. Uh, I could also say 3,657.5 miles per year. The 107th most popular name for male babies. And that means... 0.4172 you're miles right. per hour. You're, you're right, Tom. So... I do hate you. <laughs> In hindsight, I should have said you're going to be so angry at our oh. question writers. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's you. No. Oh, that's who you want us to blame, is it? Okay, okay. No, it's you. It's you. Yeah. Col- no kilometers per hour. Oh. Well, you don't, you don't know if there's any... There could be pe- babies called kilometer yeah. in the United States. <laughs> We'll prove you wrong. The final bit of the show, then. At the do- You're still angry about that I'm last so one. Mad. I'm so mad. So angry. Mad. I'm like, why did we agree to come back if that's what we're going to get? <laughs> the question I gave the audience at the start why does the Austrian music group Das Erste Wiener Gemuster Orchester give their audience soup after every performance? Does anyone want to take a quick shot of that? Anyone who speaks German, despite my appalling pronunciation, will probably have got this already. Is it like you're deliberately supposed to scream the lyrics, so you might need something to soothe your throat at the end of it? <gasps> That's clever. How sweet would um, that be? Does the type of soup matter? Uh, it is always roughly the same kind of soup, yes. Is it German for the soup orchestra? Is it that simple? Yeah. It's close. It's uh, Das Erste Wiener Gemüse Orchester. Again, I'm, I'm mispronouncing Wiener. that, but yes, that is... Is that... S- the first Vienna something orchestra. Eating orchestra? S- soup? Do they play with soup? Do they use soup? Is it like bowls or splashing? <gasps> like, oh, very close. Do they use cutlery to play all of their instruments? Also close. Is it made up of chefs in this orchestra? Oh, do they all have to slurp at different pitches <laughs> to make oh. the music? Oh, oh no. <laughs> No, no, they don't. They are. And we've hit the bad idea section of the show. <laughs> and would you like a demonstration of that, Tom and listeners? <laughs> it's actually prevent waste. So they're using the soup in the in the orchestra. Not quite. They're cooking. They are soup. They're making soup during the show. After the show. They're chopping up vegetables whilst they're doing it. They play vegetables? <gasps> they play oh. vegetables. It is the first Vienna vegetable orchestra. Gemusa. Did you say gemusa? Gemusa or something. I have a phonetic Aww. pronunciation guide in front of me. And I'm just <laughs> going to apologise to every German speaker in the world. Uh, yes, they have carrot flutes, pumpkin drums, onion maracas and leek violins. And in order to prevent waste, the audience gets soup at the end of the performance. 
Oh, that's wow, nice. that's amazing. Yeah, I guess you couldn't have like a Stradivarius leak that has been for a thousand, hundreds of years been passed down by us. <laughs> that's great. Last time, I think it was Tom who gave the plug for your podcast. So this time we're going to go to Ella. Tell us about Let's Learn Everything. The three of us make up Let's Learn Everything, a science comedy podcast where we talk about science and also other miscellaneous things. For example... Caroline, give us some topics. I think that's what we did last time, but nevertheless, Caroline, give us some topics. We've talked about how fantastic pigeons are. We've talked about... Oh no, you see, Tom and Ella both told me to prep a list of episodes (laughs) before, and I didn't do that. Tom! Tom, Lum, go! Tom, you go for it. We, <laughs> we did a topic about uh, bagged milk with uh, a guest on this own very show itself. Uh, Sabrina Cruz hopped on once. Uh, we've talked about cosmic rays. We've talked about telephone music and emojis, things big and small and silly and everything in between. We've talked about the Eurovision Song Contest, the most important thing. It's an amazing episode. Yeah. yeah. Where can people find you? Let's learn everything.com. All of our socials are there. And that's our show for today. Thank you very much. Well done, everyone. Uh, If you want to know more about this show or send in your own idea for a question, you can do that at lateralcast.com. We are at lateralcast pretty much everywhere, and you can get video highlights at youtube.com slash lateralcast. Thank you very much to Tom Lum. Woo! Caroline Roper. Yeah. Ella Hubber. Booyakasha. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, regrets. I'm Tom Scott. Uh, oh, that's staying in. We're not. We're not editing that. That's staying in. I'm Tom Scott. This has been lateral. Hello. Hello. Hello.